The DWA podcast is recorded live to SD card at the old Wrigley building in Santa Cruz, California. Driving while awesome podcast radio hour. <laughs> oh God. Yo, do you guys know what a fluffer is? GTO Mellow Grinds. Oh, I got a PT Cruiser. It's a convertible. It's really cool. Oh, this smells of crayons for you. <laughs> hey, YOLO, you only have one life. Do you have coilovers? No, beat it. Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty good podcast right there. <laughs> Damn it, I screwed it up. <laughs> okay, so we've got a phone call coming up uh, with Joe, OEM Oil Leaks, about Volvos. Um, I'm here with Maya and Hunter. They're both taking a bath. Maya, did you want to say something? Joe, man. You want to try that again? Yeah. Uh, I don't know what happened. Is that me or you? I don't know. I think it was you. Oh, okay. Sorry about I'm that. I'm blaming you either way. Yeah. I think I deserve it. I do have a uh, one-year-old pawing at everything I've got going here right now. Um, That'll do it. Can I blame him? That's maybe a good approach. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can I can I record this, Joe, uh, sure. for potential use on the podcast? Sweet. All right. Sure. So, uh, the Volvo's breaking, huh? No. If there's one thing that can break a Volvo, it's an inexperienced mechanic, and that would be me. Oh, okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um, uh, I mean, as you know, did the big bore B20, which led to um, abnormally high oil temps. I thought maybe it was just a gauge. Um, They replaced the gauge, reworked the oil pan, um, checked, rechecked all the torque settings. Um, and it was just still high. Um, then for some reason, the radiators had spring leak. So I redid the entire coolant system. Uh, and then just a couple of weeks ago, I added an oil cooler to the system. So, um, it snowballs if you try and, you know how it is. I Um, do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's interesting. Uh, and yeah, and totally relevant. So yeah, I just yeah, want so to get the lay of the land. I mean, I, I so I'm like I'm always searching, right? Uh, every once, you know, I'll just like a bug, a bug will catch me, and I'll be searching Craigslist for some random thing. Um, in this case, I was just I happened to be browsing for the uh, $500 to $1,500 range and saw this it's a fun range, right? Yeah, so saw this Volvo. It's a 71 142S two door four speed. Hasn't run in a couple of years, uh, but it looks like it's just been sitting there forever. Uh, but it looks like yeah. pretty clean body in yellow. Um, all the interiors there, it's kind of messed up though. Uh, and then um, uh, it doesn't have any rust advertised. But anyways, it's just kind of like pretty decent and a manual and two door, and it's like that's kind of mm. cool. You don't see them all the time, right? Um, yeah, I mean, that's it's a solid car, and I, I actually believe it's what well, it's in the Bay Area, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, they were galvanizing their cars long before a lot of their oh, contemporaries. That's right. Yeah, they were. Um, they were doing crazy so, rust stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So the chances I'm, chances are of it actually being rust free are pretty high if it's a West Coast car and um, you know been in a dry climate. You'll the the areas you typically see are like the corners of the windows or like the center of the window seal where it like is split and water can kind of pool and mm-hmm. stay there over time. Um, 
but you know, it's, I mean, my car's had rust since I've had it, but it's not grown in any way, shape or form. Um, yeah. And I'm not particularly kind to it when it comes to weather. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, so that's good. These are all good things, but rust isn't really what's holding us back from stuff anyways. Uh, true. I mean, you're out there boogieing with that thing, no matter what. Um, and so what I'm kind of curious is Volvo, it's like obviously not the standard sports car choice, um, but mm -hmm. you see him on these vintage rallies and at least yours, uh, you know, from Sean to you and uh, keeping it out there and keeping it healthy. And we, we have a lot that come on our rallies, um, mm -hmm. the, the Volvos of different generations. But um, I don't know, like, is it a, I just wanted to get the lay of the land platform wise. Like I, are, I see a lot of people upgrading engines, but you know, you have a built B20, which sounds like the rad way to go to me. Uh, but are is it you're deep in now? Do you, <laughs> maybe it's unfair yeah. to ask, but do you regret using this as a platform? Like because you can't no. find wheel bearings or or uh, control arm replacements or weird stuff like that. Uh, or is no, it, I mean is I, it I think it's, it, it's for a classic car. I think it has a surprisingly good um, amount of aftermarket support. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, you know, IPD up in Portland probably being the most notable, uh, there's VP auto parts. I think they're based out of like North or South Carolina, but for any of your like weird gaskets, like all the OEM stuff they've got, and they've got really good shipping and really good prices. Um, and even down here in LA in Torrance, there's these two brothers, um, at high performance auto who, you know, are just kind of like, I guess you'd say like, you know, kind of like you and me, or they were back in the day and just kind of like, through multiple $500 cars became kind of experts in, in yeah. this particular yeah. breed and era. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, they're, they're also a good resource to, to have it in your disposal. For me, it's great. Cause you know, if I need weird parts, I can just run down there and grab them, nice. but they're also, you know, always a phone call away. And I'd say the community is a very interesting community in that sense of like, you know, you're not going to get, as I'm sure you've experienced in the BMW community, like you're not going to get um, the the people who are super well versed in like the racing of this platform and like you know know everything from the spec sheets for whatever classes in Germany back in the day. Um, but what you do get is like a kind of community of like-minded weirdos who are always willing to jump on the phone and shoot the shit while trying to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. um, which has been super helpful for me um, as I, you know, foray into this car um, where I was kind of starting to tear it apart. Um, it's an interesting platform, but I think, you know, you'd ask me a question <clears throat> as far as like, is it fun? And I guess it kind of depends on your definition of fun, right? Like, um, is it you know, as kind of like go where you point or as like a Miata. No, not in any way, shape or form. And you know, because but, you had a Miata, right? And that's kind of like yeah. where you moved from. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, you know, I, I, my, my second car was a Volvo ever. And I think like, that's kind of where I started to appreciate driving. I didn't at the time understand what it was I liked about it, but I, I remember, I don't know whether or not you were it was you and I talking or if we were, if I was listening to a previous episode, but I remember you kind of talking about the Corvette when you had it and, um, you know, that realization of like you sit in the car versus on the car, 
right? Uh-huh. Um, the Volvo is very much an on the car. Oh, feel. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I like. Which yeah. I, I do too, because I, I like that sensation of like a little bit of body roll of kind of, you know, leaning like your 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 torso's leading with the same angle of uh, the body roll and stuff and it feels really like you're you know part of the limit as opposed to being in the car with like the Miata and the Corvette where it's just like you almost don't get that sensation right. and then all of a sudden your tires give way like right, you know right, you kind right. of reach the limit of grip um and you get that big uh, greenhouse and your you know visibility yeah. is awesome and that sort of thing and like you know, uh, God, like I'm trying to remember what the '70s dash looks like. No, it's very cool. It's like flat all the way across. Uh, yeah, it seems really neat. It's not the injection molded one yet, though, is it? Uh, well, I can't. I don't know that. Does it look more like a 240? Um, I'm trying to remember. I should just pull up the ad, huh? <laughs> uh, actually, I might have to cut the phone call short. <laughs> <laughs> I've got yeah, kid uh, stuff. I've got two kids, yeah, and they're and we're all just getting out of the bath now, and so uh, it's getting a little more uh, a little more heavy. Um, okay, well, call me back. Yeah, maybe whenever. I'll call you back. But I mean, I think the gist of it is, I think you've already covered a lot of good stuff here. Um, I <laughs> mean, if, if you're if you're a Volvo, you know, if you can appreciate a Volvo, that already selects you in this small group that might be interested. That you know, it's. If you're considering yeah. it at all, uh, then, you know, it, as long as there are parts out there. Um, for mean, sure parts. And yeah, all these cars the, drive terribly, you know, compared to anything modern, but that's the charm, right? And so. Yeah, uh, and I mean, honestly, like, I mean, one of the most recent things I did is when I bought it from Sean, with it came a, an Adco uh, rear sway bar, and I just uh-huh. never put it on because I kind of liked how much I had to saw at the wheel. Uh-huh. Um having more power i started entering corners a lot faster and started noticing kind of mid corner understeer or push uh, a lot so i added the rear sway bar and i mean i didn't think the car could drive that well to be oh, honest interesting um uh you know and i don't know if i have it too forward but like it really is just kind of it, it goes where i points it a little bit better yeah um i will say this like and this is going to sound ultra douchey <laughs> so <laughs> i can't wait please take that with a grain of salt like uh you know we were talking about like is it a fun car i think it i think they are really fun cars i, I myself am kind of addicted to pushing larger sedans I, uh-huh. like i think that's just where i like to be like i like yeah. to feel uh you know almost like the car can run away from me a little bit in yeah. weight wise yeah um that resonates but there's, with me but there's like really nothing more fun than like pulling up on someone who you should not be able to pull up on someone. And then just like looking in the mirror and going like, Volvo. is that a Volvo? What the, f-? you know, like, yeah. and just, which is like, you know, it's like I said, it sounds ultra douchey, but like, it's, it's weird that like uh, this family coupe could actually, you know, be right. engineered well enough to, to do that, to, to catch up to, uh you know something that's known for being more sporty of period something yeah. that's known for being lighter of period or even you know maybe something a little more modern with uh a less not a less confident driver but like a you know maybe like more of a propensity to bite the driver who isn't as experienced right like uh i think of like you know someone who's new to like a 911 right like not like a josh like no one can catch a josh but like 
someone who might be getting into their first night 11, like a good driver, but is graduate. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, or, or someone who's like a good driver who's always like, you know, been in like, let's say an E30, but has like made that leap to a rear rear setup. And although they're a confident driver, might not be pushing, might not be as comfortable behind with a rear rear setup. Right. And so, you know, running up on someone like that, who is a confident driver, who's going at a decent clip, but maybe just isn't as cocksure in that car. Yeah. And then look I mean, in the mirror and there's like, what the fuck is this 140 doing behind me? Right, you and know, grin down on your two face cylinders, huge, right? <laughs> well, because it's it's a happy place to be. Like it's you know, I don't. It's like riding a jet ski. You know, it's hard hard to do without a smile on your face. Right. It's just you know, open airy. Everything's in the kind of right place. Like you know, I, the one that you sent me had that school bus shifter too, which I've intentionally kept in my car. Because I oh. love that feel of like what's that? This like is a long throw one. Yeah, that's school. Oh, okay. I like you know, shifted to the back seat kind of throw. Yeah. Um, like I, I left that in my car intentionally because I really like that feel and I like the cab. Yeah. It's like, it feels like I'm in the late sixties, early seventies. There is something about a very long throw shifter where it's like, you're, you know, it reminds you to slow down. Like it's not, you know, you can slow down this movement, be intentional, be nice to the gears and you can still, put the hammer down and keep moving but it's like this whole process thing that uh you don't normally think about when you quick shift in a bmw or whatever a hundred percent and it you know and what's nice is like the car doesn't bite you if you are slamming through the gears like uh-huh. if you can make that shift fast like that those that m40 transmission is really robust is that a four or yours is a four speed yeah okay. it is currently and Okay. And I'm going to jump to a different topic here, which is uh, the motor build that you did. And I'm, you know, I'm just kind of, I could, this, this whole thing could uh, fall apart at any time with the kids, but uh, we're no going, doing okay so far. So that's good. We can always start it over too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Magic of editing. That's true. <coughs> but we do none of that. Um, so the, mo- the motor, uh, you, you, did you take it into an engine builder and have a, a B20 built or is that what it is? A B20? It is a B20. Um, no, I, part of that kind of picking up the the car hobby with when I had the Miata and when I bought this from Sean was, um, I really wanted to do everything myself. Oh, um, you built I, the motor yourself. Yeah. Wow. Which is probably why it runs so hot. Um, <laughs> well done though. That's awesome. I applaud that, uh, approach. Um, yeah, I think it was like, um, I just wanted to know what that experience was like. Um, I didn't reinvent the wheel. Like I, I, I went with a known formula, um, you know, some variations here and there based on the crank I had and the rods I got. But, um, you know, I didn't, everything that you could find on like turbo bricks or, you know, uh, other kind of like Facebook groups about like the kind of standard package, uh, IPD big bore kit, VV 71 cam, um, dual Weber 45s, which were already on the car. Mm-hmm. Um, and just a bunch of head work, dual mm-hmm. valve springs, larger valves, you know, three angle grind, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I did my research. I had the, I had two core blocks, had them both checked, uh, for cracks. Pick the best one. Pick- I mean, they were both essentially the same. I just picked the one that wasn't the boat engine, which apparently was the wrong move. Um, but 
yeah, and then just took the parts to the machine shop and said, look, like, here's what I'm trying to do. Here's what I'd like to get. Um, they told me to um, maybe pump the brakes a little bit on the high compression. How high were um, you going to go? I was going to go 11.5. <laughs> that was outside of the recommendations on the interwebs, I would imagine, right? No, um, the B20E, which is, I think, oh, God, I want to say 72 or 73, um, that was an 11 to 1 motor. Really? So I was going a little bit higher, yeah, because yeah, I was porting and polishing. But um, they actually talked me down to 9.5. And, um, and they made a great argument, you know, like I, I wanted to listen to the advice of, of the elders in that sense of like, look, man, like when you're driving that car, uh, I think for me, it comes to mind as like Volcano, California. There's a great pump. You know, it's one of those old school pumps that has no stop and it just fills your car really quick. Right. But the gas, the gas is terrible. Right. Yeah. So, you know, he's like, yeah, 11.5 is great if you're always going to have Chevron high octane yeah. in that car. But if you're ever out in the boons and you have to get some cheap gas, like you're going to blow your engine up trying to leave or do damage, right? Like you're probably not going to kill a B20, but you're not going to treating it nicely so um and, and so what kind of uh and did you do like stiffer valve springs so you get a higher rev limit and all that stuff yeah i did dual uh dual valve springs iski valve springs uh so that should i could comfortably hit 7500 oh wow that's fun uh i think the limit's eight mm -hmm. um i don't i personally don't take it above 65 because there's just nothing there's nothing up there yeah. really right even with the new cam there's just like yeah you know um, and they, you know, they ported, polished, um, port matched the head to the, uh, intake plenum. And I want to say the exhaust, um, probably You're to, going to all... the header. Yeah. You know, I just couldn't, I couldn't remember if I brought them the header or not to do that. Yeah. Um, but definitely the, the, the intake, uh, runners from the, from the carbs. And then, um, yeah, they actually, the, the only thing I didn't build myself was they I returned the head to me assembled, which was a nice surprise. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I think it was probably the thing I was the most nervous about assembling. Yeah, that, that is nice. Um, but yeah, so like, you know, I got it and put it together. Garrett came over and uh, helped me kind of get the rods into the onto the crank without damaging them and check and triple checked the the crank walk and the cam walk and you know all the things steel timing gears um yeah and it was in and out of the car a couple of times after i built it but i figure that's probably par for the course for someone who's building the first engine right sure yeah yeah i would imagine that's uh that's super cool man that's uh yeah that uh, you get into the car hobby and you're like you know, it's always in the back of your mind, like maybe I'll build a motor someday. I don't know, but that would be a cool yeah. thing to check off the list. And you did it. That's, that's pretty right. I yeah. mean, you're still working through the teething issues. It'll be better when you get over the, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, high temps and all that stuff. But, uh, sounds like yeah, the coolers well, should work. So uh, <laughs> hopefully I won't. Yeah. I think that's been the biggest mystery is, you know, I've, I've, I've done about a thousand miles with the cooler now and, it's still like we, we went up and down to Peskit um, a few weeks back 
which is and a great, great test road. That's like amazing as hard road. As it gets, right? For yeah, especially like the first time, like going. We went off. Was it like the one fifty six right there? The one sixty six. That highway. Is, I don't know. Yeah. One, yeah, whatever that highway. So the first time we went up it, that real tight, windy section mm-hmm. that we did on the first storm uh, when you had the Corvette, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and. And then, you know, like had a chance to mellow in the flats the first day. And then the next day we went back the other way and, you know, it wasn't, it was getting up to like 240 with the cooler, okay. um, which is That's... higher than I want it to be, but I think pretty okay. Um, and that's after hammering on it in fourth gear for at 90 miles an hour for like an hour just getting there, you know? Yeah. And just like heavy load. Yeah. I mean, I, heavy, I was heavy hitting... load. I was hitting the indicator on my Corvette like during that rally. I think too it was like 290, and that was that was all bad. That was just real, not good for the motor. <laughs> I don't think, and I think you know I'm uh, yeah uh, 240 at worst. I mean I don't know. Maybe that's within range. I'm I definitely don't know, but um, yeah. I mean I I, I was curious because I, I before I put the cooler I had seen it hit 300 once um, coming back from a, a drive up in Kernville. Dang. And uh yeah i just i i didn't think it would get that high and then all of a sudden we were like going up the grapevine i looked over and it was pegged i was like oh shit um so that's what started me down the the oil cooler path but i had the oil tested after that through blackstone they're like it doesn't show any signs of overheating Hmm. um there doesn't seem to be any abnormal amount of metal flake in the in the oil like nothing abnormal outside of a new engine build um so I always like, you know, trust the gauges and everything too. Like it's like, well, I, that, that was my first thought. That? Yeah. Yeah. That was my first thought. And I like, I literally put, I did two different gauges, um, both with match sending units. And then, uh, on the suggestion of Garrett, I got like a Turkey thermometer with a long enough stick to <laughs> stick down the dipstick tube and, you know, got it up to temp and I was reading yeah. the temp off the gauge and, which is, you know, in the back on the hot side and the dipstick is in the front on the cold side. And it was like five degrees, 10 degrees difference, depending oh, on like. Interesting. Yeah. So that's I pretty mean, good. But not, yeah, not much. So like, yeah. I know that those gauges are reading properly. Yeah, that's good. Um, nice trick. And Garrett. I thought, you know, yeah, and I thought maybe, okay, the cooling system was going bad. And I, I tried to put a pusher fan on it and crack the radiator. Uh, so I ended up completely redoing the cooling system with like a bigger Scirocco style radiator, a mm-hmm. small E-fan, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't the cooling system. The cooling system works real good now. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It's just like, you know, it's just been a lot of teething pains with it. And, um, I think we're in okay operating temperature. If, if there's airflow to it, I think it does well. Um, but it seems to be, it might be more my positioning of it where I put it might not be in, the most optimal place for like when you're at that over 50 miles an hour airflow, like it might just be a little, uh, blocked by the balance in some way. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think ducting is probably the next step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Going full race car. Yeah. Yeah. But man, back to, back to the other thing. I don't, for a thousand dollars, I think you could get that car running and hammer on it. Maybe, maybe a thousand maybe 1200 if you include fluids yeah which that yeah <laughs> or or you t- i mean the way i was picturing it is you take it and you kind of do the you do the basic maintenance stuff and pull it pull mm-hmm. it apart a little bit and put it back together and just try to make it 
you know, put something into it. But uh, I uh, absolutely appreciate the <laughs> the idea of just like well, getting it out there and going. And yeah, well, the, I mean, the motor like, may run free, and I think these are pretty. Uh, I, I've know, known tractor like motors is what they say, right? Well, it's a hundred percent a tractor engine. Um, I, I like I've I've got you know friends that I've met through doing the vintage rallies and through you know the Volvo community that I met through that. Um, they, God, my one my one bud, um, you know, somehow ended up with like two or three five forty fours that have been sitting for twenty thirty years, and they got them all running. Mm-hmm. They didn't they didn't change a gasket. They just kind of <laughs> cleaned out the the carbs and got them running. And like that's all they're gonna do until everything's broken. And I kind of when I got that car from Sean, I kind of had that philosophy of like. Well, let's just run it into the ground and then figure out what you want to do with it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, shit, it it did. Like it was. Do you did I ever tell you how bad that that old engine was? No, I think I, I remember some stories. I I think, but yeah, not really. Uh, no, not specifics. So, so my uh, my dad was coming out to do mother load, which is always on Father's Day. So like I uh-huh. flew him out to to do a fun little Father's Day thing. And I was having so much blow by on that old B18B that I ran, I just like ran the numbers real quick. And it was cheaper for me to trailer the car up there <laughs> than it was to keep putting, putting oil, oil in. in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, that's terrible. So, dude, it was so bad that like in gear, it wouldn't hold itself on a sliding clock. Huh. And I finally did a, a leak down test when we got back. And it was like, I want to say it was like, 60, 56, 60, 14. So when it was one to four. Yeah. And like, I guess you want to be between 10 and 12. (laughs) So I basically had no rings on the first three cylinders and it was still going. Yeah. Like I didn't, that car, that car drove until I was done with the new engine and I took the old engine out. That's all. That old engine would still fire up today if it was in a car, but it's a, I, I, I tell you this this anecdote because like I you know I think in my I, I like to do that mental math of like building the project before I even own the car. Yep. Yeah. And I think with these cars, you know, you don't have to do that. Like you can literally yeah, like I would I would it. Yeah, and I would focus on suspension, like stuff you can do in a day. So yeah, what uh what are the notes on that? What what have you arrived at? Are you are you in a good spot suspension wise and Yeah, I um what are those components? I was fortunate Sean had done a lot of that um, before I took ownership of the car. Um, so it's it's poly bushings all around. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like IPD stuff, right? You just I believe yeah, yeah website and say give me all the yeah just blue give me bushings. the poly kit yeah. Um, and then uh, I want to say. Sean, Sean can correct me on this because I'm not I, I don't have uh, my notes in front of me but I want to say it's um, I could be lowering springs just lowering springs front and rear uh-huh. um, John V who is like a no- notorious and not necessarily in a good way Volvo tuner guy had custom valve Bilstein um, I want to say B6s uh, but custom valve Bilstein's up front and I ended up swapping the custom valve rear ones for GMC Jimmy front shocks, which happen to be the same length. Yeah, they happen to be the same length, but they're a stiffer rebound, and that really helped because huh. it was it was really bouncy in the back. Like yeah. there was a little too much 
um, give. And so, yeah, I forget what years it is, but um, it's just, you know, something you get off Rock Auto, super cheap, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Bill Steens mm-hmm. as well. Um, and they they have that exact right travel length. Um, you have to, like, reinvent the hardware a little bit, but it's not hard. You know, you go to a hardware store and get long bolts and cut them down. Right, right, um, right. I do um, I do B thirty engine and trans mounts. Um, They're heavy duty. Yeah, it was for a six cylinder engine, so uh-huh. um, it makes everything in the car vibrate a lot more. So, uh-huh. depending on how much you like to use your mirrors, um, or you know, grease your window tracks, <laughs> maybe oh, do or don't geez. do that. Yeah. Um, well, I, I I think it's pretty common to just do the trans mount. Um, a lot of people do just one trans mount because it's, you know, especially with that long school bus shifter, it's nice to kind of have some stiffness there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then I have that Adco rear sway, which I want to say is a 22 mil. Could be wrong. Might so be thicker. Rear sway. Uh, so you're, I mean, I'm I'm used to talking about front sway bars more. Uh, it has an IPD front sway. Okay, okay. Um, and it had, I don't think the car didn't have a rear sway at all mm-hmm. from factory. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um adding it helps a lot yeah interesting Um, but it's you know it comes down to kind of like the philosophy that that one took a while because i I think it was trying to i didn't really like the way the ipd one was engineered where that's you know it mounts to the to the rear axle and then bolts to sandwich plates in the body under the rear seats um i don't really like that kind of setup um for some reason i don't know why i just don't like the idea of that linkage being no, body mounted yeah that's that's super I've, I've never seen that before i could see how that'd be feel a little weird um, yeah that, so the adco stuff mounts different yeah it, you it bolts to the rear trailing arms oh, okay. um so you kind of like drill some, drill some yeah. holes in the trailing arms and there's like a mounting plate yeah and then it just bolts straight to the plate no bushing yeah um and it's you know I like it. I do think that plate will probably bend and or snap at some point, um, but that just means I need to make a thicker one, which is pretty simple. Um, you know, chop mm-hmm. saw and some drill bits, and you're done. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. I mean, it's a pretty nice package and pretty like low key. Yeah, I'd easy. say for sure. Yeah. Um, People aren't expecting it. Yeah, I think like the biggest change i've done to like the platform as holes i just upgraded to the 164 brakes up front which are vented same like bolt on hub everything bolts right on but it's just a vented vented system up front and can you get decent brake pads for that yeah i've got uh porterfield r4s's all around Ooh, wow nice that's amazing yeah it's great and i mean and i mean you i'm sure you've used those before they last a while uh is it I, i i remember seeing it i've never I don't think I've ever tried Porterfield, but it's always been in there uh, in the search. Uh, is it a racing compound? No, it's like a it's like a street performance. Oh, okay. Yeah. Compound. So it's the the R4 is the racing compound. The R4S okay. is just the. Sweet. I think it's like a little bit quieter, you know, um, on the road. Yeah. A lot of a lot of brake dust, but I mean, they're. I I like to brake deep, um, and a lot. So I I like to over engineer that part of the yeah, car usually. I'm the same way. I I that's like one of the most important things to me is that component. 
Yeah. I mean, and if it's, you know, for something that's going to fail, like I, I, I don't want anything to fail, but I definitely don't want that thing to fail because of how I drive the car. Um, and those have been good. Like, I mean, I, I haven't, I don't think I've ever gotten brake fade once. I do, I do R4Ss and like the Motul 660 mm-hmm. fluid. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and the system is tight enough, uh, to not really fade. I mean, granted, I've, I've never done like on track stuff. So getting tires to temp and getting like, you know, really reaching boiling point of brake fluid is probably not likely, um, on public roads. Yeah. But yeah, you know, there's a lot of braking events going, going down to Pesca alone. Like Dude, even yeah, in, that, that was the first thing that came to mind when you said that was the test road coming back down the hill. That's uh that's a, yeah. <laughs> that's a very, very good test. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's great news. Um, it's a good brake pad choice is key. Um, yeah. And so well, Porter, rela- Porter feels really great. They will pretty much make you any pad if you do. Oh, down. really? Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, they'll put they'll put that compound on anything. They're 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 down here in Southern California. They're super great people. Yeah, yeah. So you know, if you ever need brake shoes for your Merker XR4 Ti, (laughs) you know where to go. Yeah, (laughs) sure. Um, and so what tires are you running right now? Um, I just are you still in the ATS classics? I I know I need to not be on those. No, I love that. Um, That's one of my favorite wheels. It is well the the offset and dish the the wheels that are on the car are um, actual Volvo Competition Service parts. So Sean let me know when I bought the car that I was basically buying the wheels and getting a car for free. Interesting. Um, so they're like a one or two year only Volvo delivery part. Huh. So it might actually might actually have the Volvo logo on them, which is super oh, rare. Crazy. Um, yeah, so it's, I probably shouldn't be on it because they're just that rare interesting um, yeah i didn't know that but um yeah no it's a great wheel i just um tires are the big the hard thing to find for this car in the proper size so the proper size is 195 65 15 mm-hmm. um and pretty much there's like one hand coop uh hand is it hand cook or hand i say hand cook just because kook sounds mean so it does sound kooky um uh, they, the Ventus VS2 or something. Yeah, but then that's what, like so modern looking too, right? Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a, well, that's what I have on it now is something modern. I ended up getting the Sport Track 5s uh-huh. delivered from England. Oh, dang. Um, but it was only like 280 to my door. It was like super cheap. Huh. Um, and they're like a 300 treadwear tire. I haven't, I haven't made the plunge into doing more of like a 200 treadwear ultra high performance summer tire yet because I don't, I need to reinforce the subframe before I start adding lateral traction. Yeah. And I mean, um, it's, a whole, it's a whole nother, uh, that's like, that's really upping the, the expectations of the whole setup. Really. It's kind of, yeah, it's probably more set up for something, you know, skinny and not, not super, uh, not super sticky. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was engineered for V rating, um, tires, which I know is a speed rating, but, um, is kind of, also speaks to the rubber compound a little bit. Um, it's, it's like a super thing to do. It's a super easy thing to do. It's just, you know, like tack welding the A-arms because they're just pressed together, um, adding a little bit thicker plate at the top of the subframe, uh, reinforcing the sway bar mounting points, and that's pretty much it. Hmm. Um, my subframe is a little cracked. I did find out last time I was under the car, um, but that shouldn't be too hard to, to fix. 
um, again, you see how I treat that car. I'm not exactly kind to it. So, um, <laughs> it's no surprise that things are cracked underneath. Uh, yeah, but, it's just a big, uh, big steel subframe. So you can just pull it, pull it off if you even need to do that and, and, you know, weld a little yeah. plate over it or whatever, just weld, exactly. weld the crack. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I think tires are like kind of the biggest thing. Like, uh, you can do, you can get the Pirelli CM36s in a size that's close. You can get 195.70. 14s only, right? No, you get 195.70.15. Oh. Um, so or you could get taller. 185. Sorry, 185.70.15 and 195.60.15. Mm-hmm. You cannot get a 195.65. Um, but I think you can do like a 185 with a little bit of stretch. Because that. that shoulder is so bulbous on those tires anyway that um i think you do like a little bit of stretch for putting a 185 on a five and a half isn't going to really be noticeable Mm -hmm. um and then i think the vergstein classics right you can also get something close in size yeah which are i hear a great tire yeah i've heard that too the sport tracks that i have on there any indication i think that's my where i maybe where i will go next i'm not a huge stickler for like the tire has to match the period um aesthetically but i'm not that guy but you are kind of a uh size uh has to be period it sounds like yeah but that's more for like i like my my gauges to read properly okay yeah <laughs> like yeah and and i like to feel the or fill the wheel wells mm-hmm. like I, I don't like to run a, a big wheel gap um yeah by going smaller and i don't have enough space to go bigger um you would on your on the 171 i think it's a high fender car but um oh, i didn't know there were differences yeah it's 71 or 72 one of the years they switched like the front wheel arch is a little bit higher closer to the belt line than it was in the early cars what year is yours? Um, 68 okay um, but those fenders are gettable and easy to swap if you do like i don't think the color changed between the years so you can probably find some yellow fenders if you ever want to go low mm-hmm. uh low front fender but yeah like i mean ty- i don't know like I-, I get it if you're taking a lot of photos of your car but like tire technology has come so far since 1968 why wouldn't you take advantage of that well i mean the cool thing is that you get the modern compounds with the old look uh yeah, with but, these ones that you're mentioning so you kind of get best yeah, of both worlds true but you know like it's there's a like the pirelli compound is so grippy compared to the vergstein compound which is actually less grippier than what i ended up with huh so it's just you know it's yeah. it's just kind of like if you can fit it or if you know you're going to do it and you're doing suspension stuff anyway you know, you're four bolts away from pulling the subframe and reinforcing it before you put Pirelli's on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, versus like where I am, where that's everything's got to come back out mm-hmm. um, for me to do that. But you know, it's I also don't know if a car from 1968 needs to really be that grippy. Right, 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 right. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, that's part of the character, in my opinion. Yeah. 100%. Cool, man. I mean, this is uh we've gone through a lot here. We've covered most of the car. Uh I this is uh hard What else do you knowledge. need to know? Um <laughs> that's it. I think we've covered it. You've covered a lot uh for me to think about. Have you ever been a Volvo person before? 
Um, my dad had a Volvo P1800 when I was basically when I was born. Uh, and okay. so I have early pictures of me in front of that car and uh, probably uh, you could call it my first driving experience is uh, standing on the seat and dropping the e-brake somehow and like coasting down the hill and in, in the P1800. Little Roger Moore. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, uh, you know, there's a little bit of family history there, uh, although um, more relevant to me was that we were kind of like a Nissan family when I was like a teenager. Um, yes. But, Those are the good years to be Nissan fans too. Right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, philosophically, I can get behind the uh, practical nature of a Volvo being overbuilt, mm-hmm. uh, the utilitarian vibe. And, you know, I, I look at a lot of uh, vintage rally stuff and everything and, you know, I'm a huge fan of Ford Escorts, and that's the the Ford oh, Escort. It's like a speaking my language. Okay, yeah, and yeah, uh, uh, I know you're an ex ex, ex Ferrari or whatever guy, but uh, <laughs> and, along those lines, right? But Look, man, British Ford nailed it all the way to the '80s. Yeah, and and I mean, why was why was that a good rally car? It had a live axle rear. It was like dependable, and it was just something that you could toss toss over the. Uh, uh, into the corners and up into the air over the jumps and everything. And I, I mean, I, I don't really know the answer to why that was successful, but uh, it, it feels like a good recipe to have a, you know, a robust car for smashing. Yeah. And, uh, and then you add on the fact that they've got a big greenhouse. So philosophically I'm, I'm, I'm behind uh, the mark. Uh, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it does. Uh, I, I do like it, but I, I've never, yeah, I've never really owned one myself. Um, so it would be new territory. It's a, it's it's an interesting community. I, I think, you know, um, it, in such a weird way because like I you know I, I arrived at this hobby so late. Um, I think like I, I started turning wrenches when I was like twenty seven or twenty eight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, as opposed, to, I feel like everyone we talked to has been like you know as soon as they could hold their dad's beer, they were in the garage. <laughs> yeah. um, so like for me, because I, I, I rarely, when I get into a car project, I rarely know anything about it um, other than like cursory uh, research. So like the community ends up being a very important part of why I either stay or don't or, or go in search of something else. Mm-hmm. Um, the Volvo community, I think, is, is a really interesting one because, you know, like anyone else, you're going to have your characters who are notorious for good and bad reasons, um, who are well known for good reasons, who are helpful. Um, and you'll have some people who are just kind of like, you know, curmudgeons, but it's as a community, I think like just some of like the strangest, most interesting people I've met, like the Merker community was very much like, it felt like, it felt like Fox body guys who wanted to feel classier than Fox body guys, uh, you know? Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like it still very much felt like, you know, just what are you doing? Go, go to summit or like, it, there wasn't like a lot of problem solving. There wasn't like a lot of explaining. There wasn't like a lot, a lot of passion. It was just kind of like, well, I couldn't afford a Fox body. So I ended up with a marker and then I'm now the guy there, which is no like harm or foul. I've actually met a couple great, uh, dudes through it. Uh, Eric, the, the guy who has the black one, who's at Radwood too, was uh-huh. super helpful, super nice. I think his name's Eric. God, I hope I didn't get that wrong. Um, you know, super helpful, super, super nice guy. Um, and like really does, you could feel like the passion that he had for the car. Like he didn't feel like he was, you know, trying, he didn't feel like a Fox body guy. He felt like a guy who was really about his marker. Um, 
and the volatile community i think is like really like that like they're very pragmatic but like super into the thing that they have um it's notoriously cheap but i don't think it's cheap in a in a bad way i think it's cheap in like a good frugal way mm-hmm. um and it doesn't like it never lets the market get too high which is really fun for like you know uh if you're looking to buy a new car or like shit half the time people just give you parts yeah they don't want them on their shelf anymore yeah it's kind of just off off of center of the enthusiast market enough where it's like you know uh yeah yeah a little more uh yeah free parts availability sort of potential yeah and and because all that shit was you know swedish iron it's not none of it goes away It, it exists forever yeah um there's a there's a great group in, in out of San Luis Obispo that's that's notorious for that. They're super super helpful called Slow Rolling, um, and they you know have this network of kind of like they have a warehouse full of parts that are available for any enthusiast, um, most of the time free, and most of the time they'll deliver it and help you install <laughs> it if you're in the San Luis Obispo area. Like I swear to God, the, no those guys are like just super super like about that culture. Um, and it's a very interesting group to be a part of, um, to like kind of meet, you meet, I think folks from all walks as opposed to like, let's say maybe a more pricey car where like to even be in that car then or now you were already of a certain kind of economic right. level. Right. So right. you're already like the conversations are very different because everyone's operating on a different plane. Whereas I think it being more of a utilitarian car, more of a people's car, like, you know, the conversations in the Volvo world are maybe span the gambit a little bit more. Yeah, I can um, totally see that. And uh, and that's, it may be a unique Volvo thing too, in a way. I mean, uh, yeah, there, yeah. It, it's, uh, yeah, the, the original owners of those cars uh, had a, had a, uh, you know, a certain way of thinking about things and it feels mm-hmm. like it all lends itself to um, frugality and, you know, driving them for long periods of time, keeping older cars on the road, kind of falling yeah. in love with the the cars, you know, and, and uh, um, but also def- being kind of, I think, counter to like what is status quo for appealing, right? I think like like in the 80s right they did such a great job of those those like classic volvo print ads yeah Yeah. (laughs) of like the basic the basic idea behind the 740 wagon and it was a lamborghini with a trailer right right yeah i think they were like they really spoke to that kind of just different view on the world thing is like yeah yes everyone loves a countach but it's not super practical right like i want to go fast it's crazy to think that a volvo was that fast um, don't quote me on that. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I yeah. don't remember the Countach being particularly quick. It, it was a memorable ad for sure. I think a lot of us. Yeah. I mean, I think Paul did like a, just posted a series of them like a few weeks ago where he's just kind of going through all of his favorites from, from back in the day. And shit. I mean, one of the reasons I got into the industry I got in was because of a Volvo ad. And it was like for the <laughs> S60R. Um, and it was, I, I still remember this today. It was, it was a woman was getting on the on-ramp we're getting onto the highway and she was merging like right as like uh 18 wheeler was coming down in the right lane and you know she slams on the gas and guns it and makes it out safely and and the line was you know speed when you want it a volvo when you need it and i was just like oh fuck that's such a smart thought 
<laughs> but it like felt like very much like a continuation of that eighties stuff. Right. Uh-huh. Um, where it was a practical point of view on an exhilarating or fearful situation. Right. Uh, feel fearful for her at that point, but yeah, it was, I don't know. And, and you said you're, you said your career and you're a copywriter, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it was that that and these weird Marine Corps ads my dad had from the seventies that were lying around the house huh. somehow got me into this weird ass world. Well, um, uh, I appreciate your input uh, because I think the way you're thinking about things, uh, you you have a pretty uh, interesting take on the the culture side of it. Um, uh, I pre- I appreciate all those notes. That's not uh, yeah. not typical car guy stuff. I, I I feel I feel like I'm getting a little extra here. Oh well, I hope I hope it's extra good, not just yeah, superfluous. <laughs> Time will tell. <laughs> I mean, look the the way I, the way I think about it is like you know you're gonna at some point, especially like with the older cars, you know you're gonna have to call someone to get an answer, or you're gonna have to call someone to find a part, and you know you want to enjoy talking to that person when you call them. You yeah. want to see how their life yeah. is like. Yeah. Or, or it's, you know, there's someone zany who does zany stuff and you want to hear about the zany shit they've been doing. Um, I don't know if that's how you operate in normal life, but that's, I, for me, that's always like icing on the cake. Like, we can do transactions, sure. Like, hey, do you have this part? Great, can you send it to this address? But if you get a good story out of it, why not? Yeah. Like, that's just a sweet little bonus. Yeah. And I feel like I get those stories more often in this community. Well, I like it. I like it. This is a this is a good call to make, um, oh. and uh, you know I reserve the right to completely uh, turn an idea around. It's really it's really just a spur of the moment thing, uh, and it's I'm, I'm like you. I just want to like mentally go through an entire build before getting serious about anything. And uh, this is the first up, so you are my yeah. first introduction into the Volvo community. Uh, well, <laughs> and so the, Brian, this is uh, this is kind of a meta thing, but yeah, you're already sure. being that uh, that culture that you're talking about. Well, next time you're down in LA or I'm up there, um, you got to take the car out. Um, yeah, that'd be super fun. I would love to. I th- I think you know to know where you could get the platform. Yeah, totally. And then I you know I kept it all push rod. Um, what Tyler's doing is a whole nother level. And I think you should right. definitely talk to him right. um, too, as far as like platform goes, because yeah. he's really pushing the limits of it. Yeah. Um, but he's been through all the iterations from the push rod to the eight valve to now the 16 valve. Yeah. Um, and I think, he's, you know, that's kind of, I think that's maybe like a nice little icing on the cake is you could, you could have the same two cars from 1968 and the two different owners are going to have two very different things. Um, and the community accepts that Like, There's not a lot of purists, which is kind of nice. Um, people are just kind of stoked that people are stoked and, uh, it's always cool to kind of see, but I definitely think you should, uh, you know, next time you're down here, or I'm up there. Um, if you haven't already purchased it, uh, drive, drive one. Cause it's, it really is unlike anything I've driven. Uh, but you've probably driven more things than I have. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I haven't driven that many. But yeah, I'll, I'll definitely take. Well, you've you driven a 240 before. Um, not much actually. Definitely been okay. in plenty, but uh, yeah. And the closest one I have to me is Thomas with his giant V8 one, which is uh, <laughs> almost a whole different thing altogether. 
that thing is insane. Um, yeah. Yeah, but well, see, that's what I mean. It's like there's no purity. Right. That's and I love that. Yeah. And, and I mean, and uh, Tyler's is so rad that the way, he, the, you know, just having that yeah. more modern Volvo motor in, in that engine bay and the way he does everything yeah. is so clean. I know. It's just, it's cool to know that there is that option if you want to go full nerd on it. Uh, yeah. You could always pull that trigger, uh, just insert yeah. many, many man hours of work. Yeah, well, I'm waiting for him to figure it all out because I actually right. have one of those engines sitting sitting on a stand. Nice, perfect. Yeah, uh, that's the way to do it. Smart man. Yeah. Well, I uh, should probably go, but this is uh, this is awesome. It's good to good to chat, man. It's been a while. I know it's been too long. I, I was really bummed I couldn't make it up to the uh, to the South uh, rally, but Garrett timing didn't work out. Yeah, so I know, I know, but he was able to get up. I'm, there. I'm gonna get up there and, and drive with you guys sooner. Yeah. Now that the Volvo's running. Nice. Now we get to start. We get to start in the Opal. And maybe one of those two will make it to the next one. Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of a new thing that we're back at this anyway. So, uh, yeah, I know. It I mean, did feel good to get out there and we're hoping to be able to do more. So yeah. Hopefully I actually, we'll I, I should have opportunity. Yeah. I want to pick your brain too, kind of, you know, off the record. Um, yeah, <laughs> off totally. The recording. Well, uh, I'll, I'll I, just, I just started kind of thinking about how to do ours and you're doing a great job. Mine. Yeah. Shout out to 50 year storm. Uh, you guys sent an e- email out. Uh, just recently mentioning, hey, did we get back going or what? <laughs> and uh, I thought that uh, uh, I was very impressed with the way you were approaching it, um, all the considerations for you know people doing the right testing and stuff like that. And I think you've got your head yeah. in the right spot and uh, all about doing the right thing. So uh, yeah, yeah I'd, lo- I'd love to, to chat. hear your hear your learnings on, on having now done the two yeah uh from homes kind of if there were watch outs and stuff because yeah i think the one thing we i don't have to my advantage is um you know it's it's harder to break it up into like one day two one days uh yeah. just in the area that the sandbox that we play in totally but the benefit is we far away to be able to do the start uh right but the benefit is we do book out that hotel so mm. Mm-hmm. You know, if we can create that bubble, right? Like, yeah. we should yeah. be able to maintain it somewhat at the hotel. But you know, I still, I gotta. I'll, yeah, we can we chat. Absolutely, this, and chat I can. Later. I can tell you that uh, our tests. You know, we didn't really know how it was gonna go, but uh, w- what we did felt at the end like it was very safe, and uh, a yeah. lot of people had a good time. Um, uh, you know, when you break it down to all the component sections of how these things go together, uh, it feels like you can reduce the risk. Um, and and there's no question that everybody uh, was very happy to get out there. And, you know, it's yeah. almost like a cars and coffee in the morning where everybody can see each other again. And uh, that it means a right. lot. Everybody's everybody's stoked on that. I mean, for sure. Oh, that's good. That's good. OK, well, thanks for well, the time, Joe. We'll be in touch. Uh, holler yeah, at me whenever. For sure. And let me know if you have any, just text me if you have any other random questions. Okay, absolutely. I won't won't hesitate. All right, have a good one. You too. Bye. patreon.com forward slash driving while awesome. 
Do you enjoy the DWA podcast? Give us a little love and support us on Patreon and get some awesome bonuses like a weekly exclusive Patreon podcast, exclusive stickers, koozies, and discounts on everything in our store, early access to rallies and other DWA events, and much, much more. Um, Yeah, it really helps us out if you become a patron of the podcast, and we hook you up with some really cool stuff. So join us now at patreon.com forward slash driving while awesome. Thanks.